Not many years ago, people were saying, this couldn't happen. It's impossible for anyone to see him. But with satellite news coverage as competitive as it is today, I believe CNN, as well as many other TV networks, will be there to broadcast Christ's second advent live via satellite, and it will be seen around the world. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. Continuing on through Matthew 24, we're going to get started back into that right after this. Welcome once again to Connecting the Gap Podcast. I'm Daniel Moore, your host. Thank you once again for hanging out with me this week as we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. It's a study I'm sharing with you from Damon Duck, and we are rapidly getting ready to wrap up Matthew, hopefully today, and possibly get on to some more New Testament books as we continue on. We're also wrapping up the month of April, getting into May. It's hard to believe that we're already this far into 2022, but we are. And I just thank you guys for staying faithful and listening to me each week. And hopefully through all of this, as we've been going over about a year and a half now, hopefully that you guys have learned a lot from this podcast. Visit my website at connectingthegap.net to find all out about my ministry and what my podcast channels are. You can also look at my YouTube or my Rumble channel there and I have a blog as well. And also there's a page there on how to get saved. So if you have a friend, family, a loved one or whatever that is looking to start that relationship with Christ, but you're not quite sure how to explain it to them, it's just a simple, I believe a four-step uh, process there of how to lead them to Christ. And of course, there's a contact page there. If I could help in any way, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Well, this week, without further ado, we've got a lot of material to cover. We're going to go ahead and get started into this. We've been in Matthew chapter 24 for a while, and we're going to be continuing that. And I think we can probably wrap that up for this week uh, in Matthew and get into Mark. So we're going to go ahead and get started. We're starting out in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, and this particular scripture talks about the second coming of Jesus. It says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Then refers to Matthew 24, 29. When the sun is darkened, the moon fails to shine, and hundreds of stars start falling out of the sky, that's what we talked about last week, then the sign of Jesus will appear in the sky, and people all over the earth will see it and experience great distress. They will be people who mocked, scoffed, and refused to believe in the second coming, but when this sign appears, reality will set in, and the tears will flow as Jesus returns in the clouds with power and great glory. Billy Graham was quoted, The good news for Christians who have remained faithful through trials and persecution will be bad news indeed for everyone who has denied Christ, slandered his people, and followed after false gods. So what is the sign of Jesus? Well, the Bible does not say particularly, but some commentators think it is something called the Shekinah glory. That's a glory brighter than the noonday sun. When John saw Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, our Lord's face was like the sun shining in its strength. That's in Revelation 1, verse 16. It will be so bright, everyone everywhere will see it. 
People who scoffed at the second coming will suddenly realize their sin and weep, but it will be too late to repent. This is not the rapture which will remove the church from the earth and catch the unbelieving world by surprise. This is actually the second coming of Christ in power to put down evil on earth and to establish justice, peace, and righteousness. It will happen at the end of the tribulation period, not before. In Matthew 24, verse 31, it continues on about gathering the elect. It says, And he will send his angel with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. God often uses angels to do great things, and he often uses trumpet blasts to assemble his people. Here we are told that Jesus will use angels and trumpet blasts to gather his people. The four winds, and from one end of heaven to the other, simply means from wherever they are on earth or in heaven. No one will be ignored or forgotten. A key point to pick up on here concerns the fact that some authorities wrongly teach that the seventh trumpet in Revelation 11.15 is the last trump of 1 Corinthians 15.52. Neither one, though, is the last to blow. This trumpet will sound after both of those. The seventh trumpet is the last in the series of seven trumpets, and it will probably sound near the tribulation period midpoint. The last trump is the last blast of the trumpet on the day of the rapture, and it will sound before the tribulation period. This trumpet in this scripture will sound at the end of the tribulation period. It doesn't announce one of the seven trumpet judgments or signal the rapture. It fulfills Isaiah 27, 12-13 by gathering the Jews from the land of Assyria, the land of Egypt, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Arnold Fruchenbaum was quoted saying, Since the Jewish prophets had predicted in great detail the worldwide regathering of Israel, Jesus did not spend much time with this, but only pointed out that it will occur after his second coming. John Walvoord was quoted saying, At that time Old Testament saints will be resurrected, and believers from the tribulation will be raised from the dead. Living Christians will also be gathered, the millennial kingdom will extend to all believers, and that its beginning all the saved will be resurrected. The angels of heaven will scour the earth immediately after the second coming of Christ. This will be one of the first events to take place in the millennium. The followers of Jesus who do not experience death before the millennium and are privileged to live on into that period will be in their old bodies and therefore will give birth to children. These children will be born with a sin nature just like children who are born now. Most will serve Jesus, but not all. Christian service will not go unnoticed by our Lord. And we'll see that here in a couple of points I'll give you about the millennium on Jesus as king. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 27 to 30, it says those following Jesus will be rewarded in the millennium. In Matthew 20, 20 through 23, it says God is preparing rewards for the faithful. So Christian service at that time will not go unnoticed by the Lord. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 to 33, it talks about the nation of Israel. It says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. The prophet Jeremiah used good figs to represent good Jews who had been taken captive to Babylon, and he used bad figs to represent bad Jews who had escaped the captivity. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the early fruit of a fig tree. 
So Israel is the Bible fig tree. Jesus, in effect, was saying, watch Israel, and when you see all these things happening, understand that the end of the age is near. Gary Hedrick of Messianic Perspectives was quoted saying, In fact, all the events in Matthew 24 center around Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Israel are the point of reference for anyone who wants to know what time it is on God's prophetic calendar. In Matthew 24, our Lord is saying, Keep your eyes on Israel. Israel is your point of reference. Israel is the indicator. Watch the fig tree, and when you see the branches begin to blossom, when you see the nation begin to come to life again, then you will know the end is approaching. The disciples asked, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? In Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus said the sign of his coming will appear in the sky, and he said we will know the end of the age is near, right at the door, when we see the rebirth of Israel and all these other things happening. There is much criticism of those who try to relate current events to Bible prophecy. If this practice is wrong, why did Jesus give the signs and have the Holy Spirit record them, and why did he indicate that we can watch and know when the end of the age is near? Who would not want us to watch? Jesus said, when you see all these things, in Matthew 24, verse 33. This tells us that we should look at the whole picture. Those who think just one earthquake, one war, one terrible disease is a sign are not looking at the complete picture. It is the increase in earthquakes, the increase in wars, the increase in terrible diseases, plus everything else that is an indicator. And the super indicator is the fact that God would resurrect the nation of Israel just before he is ready to close out the age. Prophetically speaking, wars, earthquakes, and pestilence mean nothing without Israel. The tribulation period cannot begin without a seven-year treaty guaranteeing peace for Israel. The tribulation midpoint cannot arrive without a rebuilt Jewish temple. There will be false Christ, but not the Antichrist until Israel is in place. But the return of Israel, its sprouting and early growth after almost 2,000 years, is something Jesus said God would do to give a sure sign that these things will soon be fulfilled. Jesus gave us these signs. He wants us to understand them and to know what all of them happening at the same time means. The end of the age could not have happened until Israel came back into existence. But the rebirth of that nation has occurred, and it has occurred at a time when all the other signs are on the scene. There is only one way to interpret it. In Matthew 24, verse 34, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. The end will come within one generation. But how long is that? Well, here's a few opinions that one can expect to find when studying this bewildering subject. The first opinion, the world generation, comes from the Greek word genea, meaning race, family, or breed. So this prophecy means the Jews will be preserved as a distinct race until everything is fulfilled. The second point, the generation living on earth when Israel became a nation in 1948, will not all pass away before everything is fulfilled. The third opinion is that a generation lasts approximately 20 years because young people get married and start a new generation at about that age. The fourth, a generation lasts 35 years because Job lived 140 years, or four generations after he recovered everything. The fifth opinion, a generation lasts 40 years because one generation of Jews died during 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. 
The sixth, a generation lasts 70 years because the normal length of life is 70 years. The seventh opinion, a generation lasts anywhere from 30 to 70 years because it was 14 generations or almost a thousand years from Abraham to David. 14 generations, a little more than 400 years from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 generations or about 600 years from the Babylonian exile to the birth of Christ. And the eighth and final opinion is a generation lasts a hundred years because the Hebrews spent four hundred years or four generations in Egypt. If anyone can figure out how long a generation is, they will still need to figure out when the terminal generation begins. Some say May 1948 when Israel became a nation. Others say June 1967 when Israel captured the Temple Mount. There are a variety of unprovable opinions. Everyone wants to know, how long is a generation? There have been many efforts to figure this out, but the answer appears as elusive as the identity of the Antichrist, as he cannot be identified until after the rapture. Could it be that God deliberately made this vague to prevent us from figuring out when the second coming will be? Well, we are not supposed to know the day or the hour of that. The fact is, a generation depends on when it was measured. It changed depending upon where the Jews were in history and which covenant God was working under. It's best to do what Jesus said, watch and be ready at all times. There is good reason to believe that this present generation is a generation that will see the complete fulfillment of all these prophecies, but it is impossible to be dogmatic about this belief. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 to 39, it talks about that it's going to be like the days of Noah. It says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came, and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Noah was a preacher of righteousness or justice, peace, and right doing at a time when people scoffed or ridiculed at messages from God. When Noah foretold the flood, the people refused to listen. Because of this lack of interest in spiritual things or things about God, they lived as they pleased right up until the very day the great flood started. That awesome day began just like every other day, but it wasn't long until it started to rain and the floodwaters began to rise. And in a matter of days, except for Noah and his family, everyone perished. Jesus is saying, this is the way it will be at the end of the age. People will scoff at messages about the tribulation period, refuse to listen to prophecies about the second coming, and do as they please right up until the very last day. That day will begin like every other day with people eating, drinking, attending weddings, etc. But it will be the day of their doom, and it will be sealed. Noah and his family entered the ark, survived the flood, and returned to the earth after the waters receded. While they were in the ark, those who were left behind on the outside were taken away by the flood, and they drowned or perished. The rapture will occur at a time known only to God. Those who have prepared will enter the ark of heaven and survive. They will return to the earth when the tribulation period is over, but those who have heard the signs and ignored them will suffer a fate similar to those in Noah's day. They'll be taken away by death or perish on or before the second coming. The decisions people make are very, very important. 
John Hagee was quoted saying, If you open your morning paper at breakfast tomorrow, you're likely to lose your appetite. Murders, rapes, kidnapping, assault, child abuse, spouse abuse, parental abuse. These are all common headlines for even small-town newspapers. People are thinking evil all the time. And just as the floodwaters caught them unaware, so the end of the earth will catch these deceived sleepers. The Messiah will come, the thread of history will snap, and those who are unprepared will be caught up in the tribulation which is to follow. Charles Capps was quoted in Matthew 24, Jesus refers to Noah's day, because Noah and his family represented all of the righteous on the earth at that time. They were taken into safety of the ark before the judgment of God was released on the earth. Notice that his emphasis is really on the fact that the wicked didn't know what was coming until after Noah had escaped to safety. Then the floods came and took the wicked away. While our generation has witnessed unparalleled spiritual apathy and ignorance, most people are ambivalent toward what is happening on the prophetic front. This may well be the group of people that is caught completely off guard. The last section here in Matthew 24, verses 40 to 41, talks about the great separation. It says, Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. It's a very, very popular section of Scripture. However, many people make the mistake of thinking that this is the rapture, but actually it has nothing to do with that mysterious event. It is a continuation of what Jesus was saying about the days of Noah and all those who were removed from the earth by drowning in the great flood. Here he is telling us that two men will be in the field. One will be removed for judgment and the other one left. It will be that way for women also. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be removed for judgment, and the other left. Those who are left will help repopulate the earth during the millennium. John Wolvard was quoted saying, The context indicates that the one who is taken is taken in judgment, much like the people who perished outside the ark as illustrated in the previous context of Matthew 24:39, Also, according to Luke 17:37, those who are taken are killed and vultures eat their bodies. This is exactly the opposite of the rapture. In the parable of the weeds, the field is the world. That parable teaches that Jesus will send his angels out at the end of the age to collect the weeds or the wicked people and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God intends to remove the wicked from the earth at the end of the age, so they cannot enter the millennium. At the second coming, they will be taken away and held for judgment before the great white throne of God. Well, that's going to wrap up Matthew after we've been through this for well over a month, it seems like at this point. Tons and tons of information about the uh, end times and prophecy there in, in that book of the Bible as we started off the New Testament. We're going to be moving on into Mark next week and getting into Luke and getting deeper into the New Testament as we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. You can go to my website at connectingthegap.net and catch up on all of the episodes in this study. And there's also other episodes there as well. Also so you can check out my blog, my YouTube channel, and Rumble, also on smart devices. So check us out there as well. Well, I'm out of here until next week. Hope you guys have a great, blessed week. Until then, remember that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap.